Hello everyone and welcome to Neutral Game, your friendly fighting game podcast for newbies. I usually say newbie friendly fighting game podcast, but I forgot, so I'll tag that in. We're, we're here for new and old, and I'm Six Detmar from Scanline Media. Uh, and I'm Miller Quatrich from Real Soviet Bear uh, Enterprises. Indeed, indeed. We've already investigated what you enterprise, so I really, at this point, we have no more questions, right? I want to have, like, a fun, playful interaction with your with your intro, but it's just really straightforward, you know? Yeah. So I guess we'll have to have some playful interaction around what we're discussing this week, which is a game that some people would argue is the best fighting game ever made. At least one person on this episode would argue that, yes. I definitely think it's in the conversation. I don't know if I think it is, but it's certainly like I would if you if you had the conversation if you didn't mention Garo, you'd be having a bad conversation because we're talking about Garo, Mark of the Wolves, or uh, Fatal Fury, Mark of the Wolves. Depending indeed, depending on the region and area, it is essentially the final game, the eighth game in the Fatal Fury series, which I think most people have forgotten because. It all kind of joined up the King of Fighters uh, franchise instead. Mm-hmm. So I feel like part of part of the way that Garou came about and how it turned out, frankly, so excellent is that um, SNK had a bunch of uh, other fighting games like Art of Fighting and Fatal Fury, and then they made King of Fighters, right? And in order to make King of Fighters, they had to simplify a bunch of the systems they had in their other games, because they were making this three-on-three game, and you couldn't have quite as many complicated systems going on. So they ended up boiling off stuff like uh, Fatal Fury's like background-foreground stuff, where they had two planes and you could step between them and things like that. Um, and then after they'd done that, like in my opinion, and I suspect in theirs, what they realized is that boiling a lot of that stuff stuff off just made for a more compelling fighting experience. That they had a lot of extraneous bullshit that built up, and getting rid of it was good. And so they wanted to go back to make a one-on-one fighting game that didn't have some of that stuff that was sort of back to basics. And I feel like that's what that's what Garou is. Uh, yeah, it's definitely um, trimming a lot of the fat that's accumulated over the years uh, and taking what they've learned from. The hundreds and hundreds of thousands of fighting games they've made. They haven't made that many, but they made a bunch. Yeah, yeah. I think they've probably. I think they've probably made more fighting games than anyone else. Uh, definitely. I. I would. I would probably say yeah. Probably more than Capcom even. Yeah. So, um, as you mentioned, Grow is is basically like a sequel to Fatal Fury. It's sort of the end game of Fatal Fury, where Terry Bogard is now acting as like like Geese Howard's dead. Terry Bogard is acting as like. A teacher sort of like sensei figure to uh geese's son rock and trying to set him on the right path even though he has this terrible power and um i don't know story-wise i don't feel like there's that much to talk about right it, it was it was an arcade game and so it wasn't that story heavy yeah it's basically uh a lot of it is i think younger viewers might be able to draw a parallel between this and mortal kombat x where most of the cast isn't really the old cast. It's like children or prodigies of uh, the previous cast. So, like, you have Geese Howard's son, you have Kim's two sons, things like that. Mm-hmm. I-, I think almost the entire cast here is completely new, except for Terry Bogard. Yeah, Terry is Terry is the only character who um who is a is a returner, and. I think he's also, like, 
most of the characters don't end up leaving Giro. Um, like, uh, there, there are characters like B. Jeanette, who I think was in uh, KOF 11, um, and Rock ended up eventually making it the DLC in KOF 14. Um, but, like, these characters have really been, I would say, underrepresented in, in subsequent games. Well, technically, Tezuk is also in KOF 14. No, he's not. It's King of Dinosaurs. It's Tezuk. That's Tezuk. No, King of Dinosaurs is a is a. Di- I can see how you get confused, but King of Dinosaurs is a dinosaur, and Tezuk is like a Birdman. They're completely different. Hey, keep kayfabe. We keep kayfabe on this podcast. Uh, what are you doing? Oh, okay. Sorry, my bad. Yeah, so I think um they they used a lot of Tezuk as inspiration for King of Dinosaurs move sets, but yeah, it's a different character. Uh, and also, I guess it's worth saying that uh, I think um, the pirate lady, uh, what's her name again? Bon Janet. B. Janet. Yeah, she ended up in King of Fire's Maximum Impact, if we still talk about that game. Oh, yeah, I guess she did, didn't she? I forgot. I, I think most people forgot. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's not like they've been completely forgotten. But, um, I don't know, uh, given, like, how the, the impact I feel like this game had, um, forgive me for saying impact there, uh, I feel like it's it's kind of weird how little these characters get represented in, in KOF, which these days is just, like, how many references can we fit into one game almost, you know? Yeah, it's weird, because KOF even goes as far as putting in characters from Samurai Shodan and all things. Mm-hmm. And that's not even, like, the same time period. Yeah, it definitely seems like a strange a strange choice. And I also feel like, I mean, these characters are, I mean, a lot of the times, like, you've got characters like Kush Nudebutt, right, um, who has a great name, um, and he's kind of just uh, Takuya from KOF. He kind of is just Takuya. So I can see, to an extent, why these characters aren't in, because they're not, they are often not that different from their, like, usually like their teachers or their their parents depending on the character because these are all like you know the new generation um a lot of them are stand-ins for existing kof characters and so maybe that's why they're not in i don't know it's freeman i guess is supposed to be like uh claw yori almost he's a very low budget yori yeah I, and i guess i guess i said he's supposed to be claw yori but claw yori came after so i guess claw yori is supposed to be freeman um also, Claudiori was kind of bad. Yeah, no, he was not. He was not very good. That's true. He liked the idea, but hmm. don't worry. You could buy uh, the proper Yori as a premium DLC for that game, so it was all fine. Yeah, you sure could. So, um, I don't know. I guess like the other thing I want to talk about a little bit is just I, I, the art design for this game is i felt i felt was really even to this day really striking right this is one of the like prettiest sprite based games of that era like it is very hard to find something comparable i guess like the closest thing would be third strike since third strike was from Mm -hmm. that era but even then like this has i i feel like snk has that thing where even the idle animations just ooze personality so this just ends up looking much nicer. And then they have 
like the stage art where some stages just advance as you go through the rounds like the the train that you know goes towards the bridge in one scene and then you see like you're actually fighting on the train while it's on the bridge in the next round and so on like it pushed it pushed like it pushed 2D so much that they even have like fake 3D with their sprite art in a very convincing mm-hmm. way yeah, I think one of the things that, um, like, comparing uh, Garou to, like, Third Strike, Third Strike is really, really realistic. And I, I know that sounds absurd given its character cast, but, like, the way it animates, like, uh, like uh, Garou will use stuff, like, it'll have, like, basically, like, like, speed lines and stuff, like, anime, like, smears and stuff. It'll use that stuff artistically to convey impact and speed, whereas like every frame of like of third strike basically there are a couple exceptions but for the most part it just is what the character is doing there's no exaggeration for impact yeah um yeah like i i don't want like to leave the impression that i'm saying like oh this is pretty than third strike or vice versa it's just that this is it feels this has aged much better and it was a, a bit smarter with its limitations yeah, they're they're going for for a more like anime style exaggeration, and I think it really works. And also, one thing I want to point out that I think it does better than Third Strike is Goro's use of color is just spectacular. Yeah, got like we we were uh, we were playing it at the office like on brick projector, and like even though it's an old game, like people just kept stopping and looking at it, and, like wow, what's this? Like this looks really good. Like they can all tell it's mm-hmm. an old game, obviously, but they go like wow, this looks really good, like for an old game. Yeah, it just it's really it's really crisp, it's really sharp, and it just it, it just has a striking good look that is like just a little bit of like kind of grittiness. It has sort of that stri- that like <laughs> excuse me, but that street fighting feel to an extent, but like not to the point of being dirty. It just feels grounded and it's 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 really nice. Yeah, yeah, definitely one of the prettiest uh, sprite based games out there. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the mechanics of this game, because that's, I mean, like, as as pretty as the game is, and as interesting as it is positioned within the SNK uh, oeuvre, I think the reason people talk about it being one of the best fighting games, obviously, is because of its mechanics, right? Yeah, and it's just, it has so few systems happening, but... Like, they are so easy to understand, it's not like... Like, even to this day, I'm not entirely sure in, like, the latest KOFs, like, what Neo Climax and what, like, the various bars do. Like, I always have to remind myself before I start playing it again. But this one is, like, super straightforward with all of its mechanics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so first off, we have, like, it's it's... Compared to modern fighting games, it's not as much, but for the time, the inputs were really simple and forgiving. Yeah, yeah, it's it's mostly down forward, charge moves. Uh, there's a few dragon punch moves, but in general, it's it's not just that the inputs are simple, but it's also that it's not really that demanding. Like, I I I know when people play like regular fighting games, how they play is. You know, they do some normals, and then they do a special, and then they do some normals, and they do a special, like, when they're learning a game. But then, like, the proper way to play it is uh, doing long strings of combos, and then ending them with specials. Th- this game kind of plays, like, how most people th- who get into fighting games think it plays. It's like, okay, I have my 
neutral normal moves, and then I have my specials, which I do sometimes on their own. Like, I don't have to, like, cancel into them or combo into them or things like that. It doesn't have that much mm -hmm. of it. Yeah, and there there are not very many uh, big combos you can do in this game. For the most part, it's it's pretty pretty short little ones, and you're deciding things based on opportunities, not based on you know like maximizing damage usually. Well, yeah, especially because the regular moves and specials just do so much ridiculous damage anyway. Mm -hmm. I was gonna say, but of course, like it wouldn't be like a fighting game if it didn't have its trademark. Nobody has ever done it uh, mechanic as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and this it's called TOP, which is an acronym, but I don't know what it's an acronym for. Um, the Overly Dramatic Power? Really? Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm guessing. But oh, wait, that doesn't quite work out because you added a D. Never mind. Well, I hyphened Overly Dramatic, so it still counts. Oh, oh okay. Uh, so how does TOP work? So... Before you start the match, uh, you have a highlighted uh, section of your health bar, um, and you pick where that highlighted section will be on which third of your health bar. So it could be like at the start of your health bar, the middle, or the end of your health bar. And what this does is, when your health is in that area, you uh, do more damage, you have access to a special move, uh, which is like a very fast overhead usually, um, and you regenerate health very slowly. So I feel like you just revealed the kind of characters you tend to play, because I would say that top varies a lot based on who you're playing. Um, for example, with, um, with Terry Bogart, his top is a combo tool. Oh. It's not an overhead, it's just like a quick little shoulder charge. Um, that's really useful for like in the middle of yeah it can make it make combos slightly longer or with my main who i'll talk about in a bit b Jeanette, her top completely is, is her, her top is so good her top is a dp she doesn't have a dp when she's in top she has a dp oh okay so yeah i, I just play one of the kims uh uh whose name i will probably butcher but uh yeah he has an overhead mm-hmm yeah, so, like, Rock has an overhead, but, like, um, I think, I can't remember, I think they're, like, characters who have, like, a projectile, like, what your top does is usually what it does is it fills a hole in your game plan, mm -hmm. um, and so depending on the character, it, you know, de it determines what type of hole you have, but when you're in top, you are a more complete character with more options, and it's really potent. You could say you're a top form. You know, I think I think you could say that. Um, and one of the things that I think this game makes this game really special is the way Top synergizes with Just Defend. Yes, uh, because so um, Third Strike had a parry system. This game kind of almost has a parry system. Uh, it has an instant block uh, where if you block at just the right time, usually like just before the damaging attack or projectile connects, uh, you will do a Just Defend. And what a Just Defend is, uh, it will slightly regenerate your health, and it will let you cancel into moves from that guard, so you can guard cancel. And I believe also, you usually can't block in the air, but you can Just Defend in the air. Mm -hmm. And the way this synergizes is, of course, if you're 
if you lose health and you end up outside of your top segment, which was, you know, with the start or the middle of your health bar, you can regenerate health back into it. And you can even also have times where, like, I, as on, on BGNet, just I'll talk about it more in a minute, but I almost always put my top in the middle, the middle 33% of my health. And there are times where I will intentionally not just defend because it would take away my top. Yeah, I can see that. Because I would regenerate over my top, and, that, and then I would be unable to access that move, which is really crucial in my game plan. Well, um, well, also, especially because some strings or combos or, like, supers can deal more damage than a third of your health. So if you are, say, in the middle, if your top is in the middle section, somebody might be able to bypass it if they're, uh, if they take the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. So the way that the way that ends up working out is I feel like uh, between that and top and the like those shorter combos is I feel like there's a really good back and forth and grow. There's a really good sense of like there's momentum, but the momentum can shift on a dime also in a way that's really satisfying. Uh, one, one thing I also really like about uh, the top system is because is usually when you have like loadouts like this for characters, Usually it's matchup specific, but in this case I found it mostly to be uh, matchup specific in the sense of not who which character you're fighting, but which player you're fighting. So if you're fighting somebody who mm -hmm. is like overly aggressive, you might want to put your top like, oh, I get hit a lot, so I'm gonna like put it in my last segment, or oh, I want I want to rush this person down as fast as I can because of their playstyle, so I'll put that you know the starting section. So I found myself mm -hmm. like. Switching it depending on how the opponent is currently, like playing in the, in those sets of matches. Yeah, and there are instances where it's like like, um, with certain characters. I don't know. Like I feel like I don't. I can't imagine ever putting my top anywhere but in the middle with with Jeanette. But like, also when I would play um Terry, who I played sometimes, I was more reactive to who I was fighting against. So. Yeah, and it also like kind of scares people a lot when you you are in top mode because um, it affects your supers and uh, your which we'll actually go to in a second. But like they can deal so much damage that they can like I think go through sixty percent of your health bar. Mm. Yeah. So let's talk about those supers. Uh, everyone has two, right? Yes. Uh, you have a punch super and a kick super. Um, they don't necessarily mean you're going to punch or kick with them. Uh, it's just sort of those are the buttons that activate them. Um, and, I mean, like, I, I don't feel like I have enough of a sense as to whether there's a trend, like the punch one is usually for this, the kick one is usually for this. I haven't noticed that, but from what I've played with friends, it seems like uh, one super is good as a reversal, usually. And then the other super, mm. super is just like, you combo into it, or you just don't use it as a reversal. Mm -hmm. Like, that's what I've usually found. But again, I, have, I haven't played against every single matchup, so I haven't seen everybody's uh, supers used optimally. But at least with the character I play, like, one of them is a very clear reversal, and you can do it, like, to punish somebody. Whereas the other one is more like you combo into it. Um... Mm -hmm. And it's also worth mentioning that your super is basically a single bar, but it can fill up twice. Um, and each version of your super, because the, the the buttons in this game are light punch, uh, heavy punch, light kick, heavy kick, uh, 
you have a punch and kick version of a super, but if you do the light, if you do it with a light button, you only use one bar, and if you do it with the uh, heavy, you use uh, two bars and it deals more damage. Yeah, it's uh, you can with the right like sort of call out moment spending two bars you can just completely reverse a match um more than i think like basically any other fighting game i can think of where one super can just completely change the tide of a fight yeah um like a well-timed super can bypass somebody's top section entirely and if you're in top mode you yeah you can basically turn a losing battle mm-hmm so let's talk a little bit about about our like playstyle and how we tend to how to play this game because I feel like the um, the different game plans of the characters sort of put together how this game works. Um, so you play one of one of uh, the the Kim brothers, right? Yeah, Kim Jaehun. Uh, I apologize if I mispronounce that, but basically the uh, fire based of the two Kims, um, and he plays a lot like his dad, like Kim from. King of Fighters and I, I, I believe previous Fatal Fury games, um, and that he mostly has kicks. Like even his punch mm-hmm. buttons are actually kick specials or kick normals. Like he has I think maybe one or two punches total, uh, like a standing punch and I think something else. And he's one of those characters that seems to have some very solid tools. Like he has a uh, guile style uh, flash kick reversal. Um, he has like a high low mix up uh, special, and then he has like a guard kick move where he raises his leg, and then that absorbs any mid or high attacks from the opponent. And then when you let go of the button, you just do a flurry of kicks. So he kind of has everything except a projectile. Mm-hmm. Um, and in general, how I how I go about it is, you have to be patient and close in the distance especially if the opponent has projectile or long-range moves, and then you're just, like, basically punishing whiffs uh, or unsafe moves and just mixing up. Hmm. I see. Um, I haven't, like, I haven't played enough with the two Kim brothers to know how they compare. Um, How, like, the other one's, like, the electric one, right? Yeah. How are they different? Have you have you played enough to like have you seen enough of, of the other one to to observe that? I haven't seen too much of the other one to know, to be honest, so I'm not entirely mm. sure how they differ. Um I'm guessing they are they are different enough, at least from what I've seen the CPU. Like it's probably just like some moves are more like like some moves are faster or just cover different angles. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, as as a person who just poked at them now and then, I I like besides the lightning versus fire, I couldn't figure it out. But I also didn't spend too much time because they were very much not my style. Yeah, yeah, this this, this character is my style definitely because I I like characters with strong tools that cover various areas. Like especially because this one also has like a bunch of aerial options. Like he has like dive kicks, and then a dive kick can go into a low or a high. Uh, like additional move so a lot of it is very much guessing mix-ups and uh, calling out opponents bluffs Mm -hmm. yeah so as mentioned i play uh oh wait um and your top is an overhead is that right yeah so he has like a regular overhead uh which is also a two-button move 
uh, where he kind of jumps in the air and then uh, hits with an overhead kick, but then the other one that he has, the top one, is kind of a delayed overhead uh, where he mm. raises his leg like he doesn't jump in the air and then he kind of surges forward and hits you with the overhead. So he covers a bit of, like, a very small distance in front of him. I see, I see. Uh, so I play uh, B. Jeanette, um, who, judging by how her name is spelled, should probably be said uh, Bunjane, but the announcer says B. Jeanette. Um, I wonder if that's supposed to be how it is, though, because she's a pirate, she's the, she's the leader of a crew, and Bonjane is very close to Bonjourne, which is have a good trip in French. Um Wait, I don't know. Wait, uh, Jeanette. Wait, she's a pirate, hmm? and Tron Bon is a pirate. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I see the connection now. Yeah, there you go. Um, she's a like mid to mid long range character who um has like projectiles that like she has most of her projectiles don't do very well full screen, sort of closer to like mid long, as I say. And then she has some other specials that are good for covering that mid distance. And what she wants to do is basically play like. A, a sort of a coy keep away where you're just close enough to think you're going to get her and then she gets she hits you and, and she gets a lot of soft knockdowns she has a really good back dash and she just wants to maintain that sort of medium spacing and frustrate you into making mistakes as you try to approach um she's really fun to play uh as i say when she's in top she gets uh, a really good dp that does a lot of damage um and so like you usually don't want to put her top at the start because you're going to assume that at first you're going to be able to maintain your distance, and then once you take some damage because the enemy's gotten in close, you want to be able to use your top to get them off you and go back into your frustrating game of keep away. But yeah, I think there aren't any characters in the game who are like pure keep away, like like full screen zoning style. Uh, Beachinette is probably the closest you get in this game. Well, um, well, you say that, but there is the the boss character who's playable in later versions. Oh yeah, that's true. Uh, I I've mostly played a version where he isn't, so I forgot that. Yeah, Kanar Heinlein, uh, who is essentially. Oh god, I'll let you finish with your character, but yeah, that's like he has very strong zoning tools. It is like playing a very frustrating German version of Guile. Yeah. Um, I mean, no, I've, I've basically said what I need to say about, about B. Jeanette. Why don't you talk a little bit about, about how how this boss plays? Um, so I haven't played him, but my colleague has. And essentially what he does is he has a slow-moving projectile uh, that goes uh, uh, in front of him or that goes as an anti-air diagonally above him. Uh, so he has that. He has forward uh, on-head grabs. Like, so if you're close and you're expecting a projectile, he can rush in and grab you. Um, and he has, like, supers that are essentially... Uh, one of them is, like, whatever. It's just, like, throw light, throw orbs of light from the sky, but there is... Or throw uh, energy from the sky, but there is one which is, like, a massive orb um, that works kind of like Venom's Orb from Guilty Gear, uh, except mm. this one chips you out even harder. Woof. Um, 
given what Garo is to me, that doesn't sound very fun to fight or very in the spirit of the game, honestly. So it's not fun to fight. Like I would say that was probably the most frustrating character to fight against, but I think it shows how even when you have super range-focused characters, because there is one character, another character, um, what's her name? So I got to... Yeah, it's Hotaru. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, she also has ranged tools. Uh, but even, like, like since I play a character without ranged tools, I have to kind of go in um, and close the distance. But because you have to just defend, uh, it is very easily easy to nullify projectiles with just defend. So while it's annoying to get to somebody because they're zoning you out, um, if they're spamming it, you kind of get into a rhythm and you can just defend most of their keep-away tools, and then when you're close in, they're kind of screwed, essentially. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Um, and, and Highland doesn't have good keep uh, get-off-me tools? The only good get-off-me tool he has is that orb super. Uh, mm. But honestly, in most cases, I just take the damage uh, and just or try a trade while he does it, because he's not really invulnerable when he sets up the orb, so you can kind of if you expect to kill him, you can kill him before the orb hits you. You see. But I'm sure there is a way to go around it. But yeah, in, in general, like each character seems to have a clear weakness you can deal with, and that you can punish. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not like playing, you know, Blaze Blue Calamity Trigger, where we had New and Rachel, and you could just sit and watch as you die. Like it's not like that. Mm-hmm. You you feel like. It's an uphill battle until you close in, and then you feel like, yeah, I can take this. And even, like, I've mentioned before how top tends to fill the hole. It doesn't fill it completely. Like, with B. Jeanette, you get that reversal, which is is her one main problem, is getting people off of her. Um, It is one of the slowest DPs I've ever seen. If you whiff it, like, as as far as, like, I mean, it, it hits real fast and does a lot of damage, but if you whiff it or if it's blocked... They have so much time to punish you. So it's not like a perfect solution to B. Jeanette's problems. It just is a solution, and previously she didn't have one. Yeah. No, it, it definitely feels like there's always an option, and it's always... A lot of it comes to how you perform. Like, it's, it's kind of weird how to say it, but... Uh, like, when I was doing these matches, like, we played for a full week, just go row... Um, when I was playing with my colleagues, essentially, you know, one person would start start winning, and then the other person would kind of figure out the game plan and counter it and then start winning, and then the person would figure out a counter-counter game plan and start winning. So there was a lot of back and forth between, like, oh, okay, I need to just figure out how to deal with your new strategy, but it is within my power to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, because the game is so simple. There, it, There is no game plan that I've seen someone come up with that is, like, so, like, intricate and complicated that you have to, like, that it's insanely hard to counter. You usually can figure out a way to beat it. Yeah, and your, your the global tools, or just the tools of your character, are so robust that you don't have stuff like, oh, to avoid this mix-up or attack, you need to block at this precise moment and then respond with this precise move. Or something like that, like what some modern fighting games uh, tend to have. Like it, it's always like, okay, there has to be something I can do, and then you just experiment. Like, like let's give like a very basic example. 
every time uh, my opponent and I would jump in the air and try to do an air-to-air like clash, I would lose the trade. Like I, like he, he would basically hit me before I hit him, um, and that's because I kept using a specific button when jumping, like I think like a strong kick or something like that. But because my character covers different angles with his kicks while in the air, I just need to find the correct button for the air to air, and then all of a sudden, oh, okay, now I now I'm always winning because my kick hits him before he hits me all the time. Mm-hmm. So it's very simple stuff like that. It's just like, I need to find the right button or the right move, but I can deal with this. Or I just need to like um, do a just defend, and I have enough time to punish for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely think just the, the rhythm of the back and forth and the way people figure out how to beat each other and yeah it's it's not just a game that's really fun to get into and really easy to get into it's a game that encourages you to keep playing because the game keeps changing on you and obviously the game itself isn't changing but the way the way you experience it and play it against others is constantly shifting and that's really really enjoyable given its simple systems it's impressive yeah um i I have an anecdote where uh at one of the previous companies i worked at they had a mame arcade cabinet which was just you know it was a proper arcade cabinet but they put in a pc and just a bunch of mame roms um and one of them was goro uh and i played that uh, during lunch breaks against the cpu a few times and a colleague of mine was like oh while you're playing and he didn't really play fighting games at all. Like, he, I, he like maybe tried them every now and then, but he wasn't like serious about it or heavily into them. And he got really into Garou. Like, we played every uh, lunch break for like six months, and you could see that even though he, that was not his style of game, he understood what was going on and was improving and just getting better and better at it. Because it's so simple to understand, even if you're not into fighting games. And I think, like, for me personally, that's, like, a testament to how approachable this game is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. So, I guess one of the, like, the things is there, um... The game has a lot of ports, and there's a bit of a... I, I, I feel like there are some ports to look out for, almost. I don't know, like, what when you were playing at work, what were you, what version have you been playing? I know you had the main version, which is, of course, the arcade version is very good. Yeah, that was that was a few years ago, uh, and uh, during this, uh, like, last month when I played with colleagues at work, we played the PS4 port, because I bought that one. Mm-hmm. Um, it seemed fine. Like, it's, it seems like it's an updated arcade version because it has the boss characters, it has stage select, and it has, like, a handicap system where you can lower the size of your top bar to make it uh, easier for your opponent if you want to. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. But, like, that one seemed, like, serviceable. Like, I don't know what how the online looks because I personally play Garou on Fightgate if I play it online. That's the thing. Um, the online for any official release is not great. There is no official release of Guru where the online is up to what it needs to be. Um, the the one that's been released on on PS4 like 
can work out. I'm not saying it's always bad, um, but it's it's often a bumpy ride. Um, I believe the one that was released on 360 and Xbox Live Arcade was even bumpier. Um, There's a Steam version, then, I think. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't know about that one. Um, I don't have any have any info info there. But yeah, I in my experience, if you want to play online, your best option is to do the Fightcade version, which you know, obviously, it's emulation and it's a tricky legal area, and you know, be careful. But it plays really fucking well on Fightcade. Plays really, really well. Uh, I, I'd say if you want to keep your conscience clear, you can always get the Steam or PlayStation 4 version and then just play it on Fightgate anyway, which is what I do. Mm-hmm. Like, the, yeah, I, I can't remember... I don't know what it's like, so nobody quote me on this, but I recall because the Steam and PS4 version released close to each other, but they were actually different. So, like, the P- I think one of them is meant to be, like, oh, it's, like, robust with the modes and the options but the online is really bad and then the other one is oh it doesn't feel like a good port like it doesn't really have anything but the online is decent and i think it was like Mm. the ps4 version was the one that had like the content down but the online wasn't good and then the steam was vice versa but i don't know if that changed or if that's what it was that's just what i heard but i would definitely say you can get like you can get a contemporary version if you want to pay it forward to SNK and just play the Fightgate version with your friends because that one is... Like, Fightgate is just really good in general. Um, you can play mm-hmm. almost any good arcade game uh, with close to no lag. Yeah. And, of course, if you're playing... Um, if you just want to play locally, the PS4 version or the Switch version they recently released will treat you just fine. Though, I do... I mean, I don't know. This is one of those games where I think it feels very good on a on a fight stick, personally. So I would I would hesitate to get any almost any fighting game on Switch, but that's just my personal bias. This is the only fighting game I play on a fight stick. Like I I generally just play everything on a fight pad, and I can't get into using a fight stick. This is the only game I play on a stick hmm. because it's it's not super demanding and it just feels good. Yeah, yeah, it definitely does. Um, so given this game hasn't had a sequel, no, yet anyway. No, um, they've they've talked about a sequel off and on. I think in 2016 there was an interview around KOF 14 where they released some concept art of the cast for for Garo 2. I don't know how old that art was. Um, looked cool. They seem to really want to make Garo 2. Like, n- yeah. not not necessarily financially, it seems like, oh, we just want to make a row 2, because they know the hardcore uh, fighting game community really wants it, they seem to really like the game, um, mm-hmm. but I don't know whether they'll make it, because I remember when KOF 14 was announced, they said, oh yeah, we have two more fighting game projects happening, and everyone's like, oh my god, Garo has to be one of them, and... Meanwhile, the two fighting games they released were, or rather, the fighting game they released in the meantime was uh, SNK Heroines, and the one other one they announced was Samurai Showdown. So I don't know the status of Goro Two. Yeah, I mean, it could be they're just trying to get their fighting game legs back under them and and ha- make sure that they can be comfortable before it, like do the the crowd play. Like SNK Heroines is a quick and dirty game, 
SNK heroines is them trying to make money. Yeah. I don't respect that game. Um, so I don't think that was like one of their dream projects. I think between that and Samurai Showdown, which has a Samurai Showdown has a pretty big reputation among people who aren't as big into fighting games. They're trying to establish themselves as a fighting game company again, and then they can go do Goro, which is for terrible reasons, not as well known. Yeah, I, I would definitely say that more people know about Samurai Showdown. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there there was like for a very long time they wouldn't put any they wouldn't put uh, rock in anything. Like people would ask them, and they'd say, "We don't feel comfortable putting rock in anything until we have like I forget." But basically, the person who designed rock wasn't with SNK, and he was like, "Until this person's back, we're not going to use rock. That's not okay." Um, and then he came back, and they put rock in KOF fourteen. And so I feel like that was one of the things that was keeping Gorotu from happening, and it's kind of back on now. Yeah, no, I would, uh, man, I really want to grow too. Like, grow is definitely one of the fighting games I hold in the highest regard. Like, I'm, I don't play that mm. often, and I'm not that good at it, but it's just a really solid and well-made game. Mm-hmm. And, like, I, I know, like, the current issues, like, some people mention, like, oh, the balance isn't that good. Uh, it's also worth noting that after this game release, there, it hasn't had, like, any balance updates, so people have had like what almost a decade to tear this game apart. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it's not like one of the one of the downsides of, of how it, of it being a pretty straightforward fighting game is that it's not like there are a few exceptions but for the most part it's not going to be one of those games where like 7 years later someone discovers some insane tech, right? Yeah. Yeah, like usually people uh, will just find glitches maybe but like it doesn't seem like it has the room, and this is not like a bad thing, it doesn't seem like it has the room for ridiculous stuff like like that one thing I heard about Smash where somebody uh found Yoshi like made Yoshi like super top tier years after melee and years after people disregarded Yoshi as low tier. Like it doesn't have the wriggle room uh Garo at least doesn't seem like it has a wriggle room for something like that. Someone found a glitch for uh for Link in, uh, I think in Melee, literally a month ago, that bumps him up in the tier list. Nice. Um, yeah. So, like, what? It doesn't have that many complicated moving parts. It's probably that's probably not going to happen. But you know, a Garou two would make us very happy. In its in its absence, there are places if you love these characters where you can see them. Uh, we mentioned that you know, Bijanets in KOF eleven. Um, and Rock is a DLC character in KOF 14. Uh, Capcom vs. SNK 2 also has uh, Rock and has uh, K-Groove, which is one of the different like ways you can choose for your characters to play, and K-Groove includes Just Defend. Um, so you can get little pieces of it here and there. I don't know, what else? What am I forgetting? Obviously, uh... Maximum Impact, too. <laughs> Yeah, maximum impact, and of course, Tzok was used as an inspiration for a completely new, completely unrelated character in Kua 14 named King of Dinosaurs. I, um, I I think that's most of it. Like, it's really weird how um, how high on a pedestal this game is, even among its company, because, like you said, we barely see anything else, like from Goro making it into other games. Mm-hmm. And and this is this is a company which put almost every of its like 
fighting game franchises in King of Fighters. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wait. Uh, uh, Hotaru made it into the PS2 version of KOF 11 also. Ah, uh, okay. It's a bummer that, that some of the, the roster for some of the, like, early PS2, like, KOF 11 and KOF 12 had some pretty cool rosters. They were not very good games. Yeah, that was them trying to figure out what to do. Uh, yeah, and then 13, they found it. Uh, but, yeah. Yeah, well, KOF 14 is pretty decent, like, from what I've seen. Yeah, I still like 13 better, but yeah, it's alright. Yeah, it's. I want to see what the future holds for for SNK. I hope it holds a Guro 2, but I also hope... I, I don't know. I haven't played that much of SNK stuff since they became SNK again. I feel like thir- 14 is not as good as 13. Um, SNK Heroines is a piece of crap. Um, I don't know how Samurai Showdown is going to turn out, and I guess I'm worried if they're, like... If if SNK Heroines is indicative of the kind of quality we can expect from them, I don't know if I want them to make a Guru 2. Um, well, I guess it's probably best to see after Samurai Showdown, especially because I think... Yeah. Um, it, I need to play SNK Heroines just so I can like, form a proper opinion, but from everything I've seen, it seems like... I, I wouldn't call it like necessarily a cash grab. I would call it like... A fighting game for people who don't play fighting games, but not in the sense of, oh, here is a stepping stone so you can get into fighting games. It's more like, oh, we know you don't play fighting games at all, so just have this. And we don't expect you to play fighting games more based on this. That's kind of how it felt to me. Yeah, I'm, maybe we'll have a, a bigger conversation about SDK Heroin sometimes where it's not just me saying it sucks, and actually explaining my opinions, but probably now is not the time. Probably not. But yeah, please check out Garo. There are many venues to access the game legally, and gray area, but there's also ways that SNK get money for your enjoyment of Garo, if you feel so inclined. So I I recommend it. It is probably one of the um, simplest, in a good way, fighting games I have played that still maintain the same things I like about fighting games, which is, you know, spacing, neutral game, mind games, back and forth, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really feel like, I mean, there are other fighting games you can play that are accessible, but if you're trying to get into fighting games, Grow is one of the games that will really teach you what fighting games look like. That rhythm and that pattern of fighting game play when you're, when you know what you're doing. Um, and for that, it's it's it for letting you get into really get into the great parts of fighting games so quickly, and keeping that appeal even after you've gotten good. Uh, Grow is one of the best fighting games ever made. Yes. Uh, all right. I guess this is the the plug zone. Uh, Miadrog, where can folks find your work on the internet? Okay. Uh, first off, let's not call it the plug zone. I did not greenlight that name. Um... Oh, sorry. Yeah, that's a habit from other other podcasts. In in the Garnet Wager, it's an ongoing bit where I find some way to sneak in the word plug into a previous sentence as a goof, and then I say it's the plug zone. Um, there are many... What do you want to call it here? Um, let's just call it, hey, where can people find this? Okay. That seems, that seems the safest and least worrisome when taken out of context. 
anyway, uh, yeah, people can find me on Twitter. I am at MDKII, that's MDK Roman numeral 2. Or you can find me on twitch.tv slash realsovietbear, where I stream around four times a week. Uh, sometimes fighting games, sometimes non-fighting games, but in general, very accommodating. Uh, and you get a little bear avatar as well, if you join. And where can people find mm-hmm. you, Six? Well, you're selling yourself a little bit short, aren't you? Oh? You got a video game coming out soon. Oh, yeah, but that's my day job, and this is my personal project, so I am not plugging that here. You can check my Twitter for the public plug of that. Alright, fair enough, fair enough. Wasn't sure your policy there. Um, I guess, similarly, I'm not going to promote my day job of working at a Target, so uh, here we are. Um... I'm Six Detmar. You can find me on Twitter at Six Detmar. That's S I X D E T T M A R. My pinned tweet on there tells you all the podcasts I do. It's too many. Um, I also write articles now and then. I'm working on reviewing Red Dead Redemption Two. You should really, you should really feel sorry for me for taking this assignment. Nice. It's rough. <laughs> um, yeah. So, games crit, media crit, except for music, because I don't know shit about music. Hey, um, check it out. All right. Well, thank you all for listening in, folks, and we will catch you next month. Peace.